Welcome to Unpacked Shorts with me, Katie Harrison, and Peter Franklin, who writes our Unpacked column, which explores interesting articles published elsewhere. Our guest today is Unheard Deputy Editor Sally Chatterton. Welcome, Sally. Thank you. One of our big themes at Unheard is capitalism and its opportunities and challenges. We have a documentary coming soon on wealth tax, for example. The pharmaceutical industry has for a long time been a very polarising case study of different attitudes to profit. I'm thinking of popular culture references like The Constant Gardener and of ethical dilemmas like the cost of HIV medication and the campaigns around patent pools. Peter, how is the pharmaceutical industry faring now? Well, not as well as it used to. And... In this way, it is quite typical of, um, quite emblematic of capitalism as a whole, because what we see is a crisis ultimately of innovation, in that we're not getting as much innovation as, as we used to, therefore productivity improvements are slower than they used to be, and therefore growth is lower than it used to be. And these are long-term trends. I'm not even going back to the financial crisis here. This is across decades. We see the slowdown. And the story of what's happening um, to innovation in big pharma is pretty much um, at the heart of, of capitalism's problems generally. It's interesting, isn't it, what you say in your piece about how um, because the low-hanging fruit have been discovered, um, uh, big farmers willing to put less resources into research and discovery. Um, I wonder, is it partly because of the reg- of the regulatory system, Are politics and innovation not in tune? Um, well, I'm not sure if it's it's fewer resources going into it. It's just that for any given output in innovation, you need more so that it's kind of the productivity of those resources is declining. Um, Now, some people blame this on regulation, that it's so expensive to comply with this, that, and other um, safety requirements, that that's the reason. There might be something more fundamental going on, which is that particular parts of innovation can become exhausted over time. What used to deliver lots of results, um, you get a, eventually you get into a situation of diminishing returns. And actually that's much more serious and worrying than um, any allegations of overregulation, because regulation, <laughs> regulatory systems can be reformed. When nature itself is, um, you're running into sort of hard physical barriers as to what's possible then there's you can't just change that by passing a, a new law so on the limits of innovation is that a, is that a very fairly classic um expectation is that sort of an inevitability in economic um, well sooner or later yes um and a great example of that is moore's law in computing um moore's law is the idea that roughly every two years the um the power of computer chips doubles, right? And that's something we've been relying on for quite a few years now, quite a few decades even. Um, But in the last few years, that seems to be failing. And um, that's because the reason why computer chips get more powerful is because we found ways of squeezing more and more um, circuits onto a piece of, or transistors onto a piece of silicon. But now they're getting so tiny that um, 
you know, you're coming up against fundamental limits like the width of an atom, right? And they, you literally cannot squeeze many more of them in. So that's a hard limit to innovation. Also, would a lim limit to innovation not be the time that investors are willing to spend and wait for the final product to come through? Um, certainly, um, and there's, there's, there's a real issue of patience here. But when you've got a tried and tested path of innovation that's, that's delivering results you know, year after year, investors get a bit spoilt. Um, but when you hit the natural limits of that, what you need to do is switch to a completely different track. Now, that's a lot less, by its very nature, a lot less tried and tested. Um, and so that's the an trouble. Of risk taking here, then. Yes. As we, we've sort of exhausted the possibilities of doing the thing that we know works because it's stopped working now. Yes. So investors arguably need to take a bit more of a chance, or is it a longer term investment, or what? What do you think is the future there? It, it, it's a chance. It's it's doing something completely new without that track record of delivery. And who knows? You know, nine times out of ten, it might fail completely. Um, so. Obviously, public investment is is important here, but then you need the politicians to be willing to take those oh, risks so as well. I mean, it's not their money at stake, yeah. of course; it's ours. And that's a hard it's thing. Yeah. It's a hard thing, isn't it, when you're accountable to the public that's for right. nine times out of ten, your investment n not hitting the spot. But you needed those nine times of figuring out what doesn't work in order to get to the tenth time that does. Exactly. But it's very difficult, isn't it, in terms of public accountability? Yeah, and um, you know the the, the um, unpacked piece I've done is based on a piece for. Um, Undark by Drew Smith and what he argues is that pharma needs to look at new avenues of research and that's to do with um, instead of targeting particular microbes, um, disease causing organisms or particular malfunctioning bits of us with simple chemical innovation, sort of one-shot medicines. This is pretty crucial because we're talking here aren't we about the future of our health if we are reaching the limits of uh, medical advance and research and development, um, what what does that what's that telling us? Is this something similar to the message we heard last month about our resistant our over reliance on antibiotics and therefore our resistance to them? Are we reaching are we reaching unhelpful or dangerous limits of medical well, knowledge? Well, we, we've we've um, you know benefited hugely from you know, a lot of medicines that target, you know, one medicine targeting one problem in a fairly effective way in a lot of cases. But we also have to look at our bodies a bit more holistically. Now, I don't mean that in a new You're agey such way. A I'm not, I know, I'm not talking about crystals or anything like that. I'm talking about how do we make interventions that work with, you know, our bodies as complex systems. That's a very interesting challenge that we will, I'm sure, be facing. Peter Franklin, thank you for exploring this Drew Smith article in on Undark with us today. Thank you, Sally Chatterton, for joining us. From me, Katie Harrison, and our producer, James Coney, thank you for listening. Please rate this episode on your usual podcast provider so that other people can find us too. For now, goodbye.